But we begin today uh, on this three to four week emphasis with Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 through 8. And Jesus talking about prayer. Remember, this whole chapter 6 is about our relationship with the Father. It's, it's some specific uh, examples uh, that, that really cover all of life. But it's, it ends up with discussing our relationship every time. At the end of every uh, passage, at the end of every, every paragraph, it's your Father, your Father, your Father. That's the purpose. That's the goal here is to get us to do things so that our relationship with the Father is improved, is encouraged, is, uh, is, is deepened. We tend to think of sin, right, as, as something that's on the opposite end of, of the spectrum from Christian things. You know, if we have love on one end of the spectrum, then way over at the other end is, is the sin of, of murder. Maybe that's the opposite that we think of. And, and, and we look at that spectrum as there's, there's an end over here where we act Christian and there's an end over here where we don't. Uh, we have marriage on one end and we have adultery on the other. And, and, and you might get closer to one or the other, but if you're close to one, you're further away from the other. If you're, 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 you're further, the, the further away you get from the sin, the closer you are to, to acting right. We have truth on one end uh, and then lying on the other. That's how we visualize it, I think, sometimes, that we're, we're very black and white. And, and don't get me wrong, sin and, and righteousness are black and white. It is, it's clear. There, there, there's no gray in what's sinful and what's not. But the, the, the question is, though, the, the reason that it's not quite this simple is not because there are gray areas. It's that sin can easily be a part of what we think is good. Remember, that's the other uh, the, the, the other emphasis of this passage that Jesus is talking about, that has been talking about throughout the Sermon on the Mount, is our motivation. If our motivation is wrong, then an action that could have been considered righteous is now made sinful. You know, if I'm helping somebody, as we looked at last week, if I'm giving financially to help a poor person, but I'm doing it which would be a good act, a righteous act, but I'm doing it so others see me do it, or I'm doing it in some way to, I think, incorrectly earn my salvation or earn my spot in heaven or get in good with somebody, then my motivation has made that act sinful. Now, is that act still helpful to somebody? Sure, where the, the result might be good, but the act in itself, because of my motivation, is no longer a righteous act. It is a sinful act. Sin can easily be a part of what we think is good, even showing up in worship and prayer. And that's what Jesus is going to be talking about here. How our worship, how our prayer life can easily be a, a sinful act because of our motivation behind it. Let's see what he says here in chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Jesus says, Whenever you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. 
But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. A lot, of, a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of information here, uh, a lot of false information if we're not careful, a lot of ways we can take this that was not intended by Jesus. We're going to look really at two things this morning. The, the wrong way to pray, verses 5 and verses 7, and the right way to pray, verses six, uh, verse 6 and verse 8. Let's look at the wrong way to pray first because that's what Jesus brings up first in chapter 5. Uh, chapter 6, rather, verse 5. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Now, hypocrites here, uh, it, well, we'll get to that in a second. Don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you they've got their reward. We've heard that phrase before last week. When you give and you're giving to be seen and people applaud the amount that you give, you've gotten your reward. That's it. That's the only reward you're going to get for your giving is the applause that you sought from people. This, this prayer that we see that Jesus is talking about is a prayer that is really all about you getting attention. Now, we think, really, that happens? Yes, yes, really, that happens. As a matter of fact, in this particular case, what Jesus is talking about, and some of you are thinking, well, I don't pray in public, so I'm okay. You just hold on. I'm going to get on your case, too. Okay, just, just hold on. Um, the, the, the grammar here is, is really about people that only pray when in public. That's the only time they do it. In this century, when, when Jesus was talking, it was a very special, uh, it was a place of, of, of honor to be able to stand before the synagogue, their church, to stand before the synagogue and pray. It was, that, that was uh, something that you got to do once a week, and, and if you did it, wow, you were an important person in the synagogue. We have that idea in church today. Well, the deacons pray. Well, they're the important ones. Or Michael prays. Or Etta prays because she's leading worship. Or Mike prays at the end of the service. You know, it's the important people. Well, that, that's not it. That, that's not it at all. It's honestly the people that are willing to be clear on that. Um, but that it's, it, while it is a privilege, in quotes, privilege for us to be able to pray, the privilege is that we get to pray to God whether it's out loud in corporate or personally and privately. But, but what would happen is in, you, you, you had first the guys in the synagogue that would get called on to pray, and that was a, that's, that's when they would do it, and they had their, their prayer planned out. They were, they were really going to show the folks uh, what it meant to pray. This other thing, you know, the, they pray, love to pray standing in the synagogues. The other thing, standing on the street corners to be seen by people. And, 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 and we, we don't see that much today. Now, uh, we don't have any street preachers in Nixon. But you go to bigger cities and you can find the street preachers. I don't, don't think that's what he's talking about here. In, in this day and time, uh, the, the Old Testament had a, a certain times of the day you were supposed to pray. You're supposed to stop what you're doing and, and, and pray. And, and you 
could, and it was, it was suggested, it was encouraged, that you turn toward Jerusalem, very similar, honestly, to what Islam does today in bowing toward Mecca. The, the, the Jews had to do something similar based on the Old Testament. Now, you didn't get your head cut off if you didn't, but, uh, but that was what they encouraged. The thing was, there were particular people that no matter what they were doing that day, they always seemed to get caught at prayer time while they were on the street corner. And not just any street corner. I mean, it wasn't one of the back alleyways where nobody was. It happened to be the major thoroughfare of the town of Jerusalem. There just happened to be every day, right at those prayer times, walking on that street corner, and lo and behold, they had to stop and pray right there because they're supposed to. See how good I am? Every day. And you begin to wonder, well, where are they going at this time every day? See, they, they were doing it on purpose. It was, it was an accident. But they wanted people to know, look how pious I am. Look how close to God I am. Look how I follow the law. Every day I get, I just, I just get caught here every day and have to pray. And everybody happens to see me right here on the corner of 80 and 87. Every day. That's, that's what they were doing. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't be like those people. Or there's, there's another, not maybe a, a stream of thought, but it could be that these people were on their way to church. And they were just so fervent. They were just so happy about going to church. And they just wanted to worship God so much, they couldn't even wait till they got to church. They had to stop in the middle of the road and start praying. Even before they got to the synagogue. I don't want to kill anybody's fervency. don't want to mess up anybody's uh, absolute joy of coming to church. I know y'all all are that excited to come hear me preach that, that you just can't wait. Some of you are listening on your phones as you get here. He's got sermons. I'm, I'm listening now, and I, then I get to hear him again. I'm so excited. I, I understand that excitement, but... Jesus is clear that if, if your purpose is to show everybody how good you are, how, how much you pray. Well, your reward is everybody sees how much you pray. Congratulations. Any pat on the back you get for your prayer life is coming from them. And he calls these people hypocrites. And this is the second time so far he, he's uh, used it in chapter 6. This hypocrite, if I didn't say it last week, the, the word here in Greek is an actor. It is an actor who at the time, often would put on a mask, play somebody different than who they actually were. And they played somebody different for what? The applause. They wanted the cheer of the crowd. Oh, that was a great performance. Well, he's saying, you people are just like these actors. You're putting on a performance. You don't pray any other time. You only pray when you get caught on the street corner. You only pray when they call on you in church, but there's no other time that you pray. You're an actor looking for applause. You want to be known as a person of prayer. That's what you want your, reputa your reputation to be. And we know people like that, right? Not people who want to be known as a person of prayer. We know people of prayer. If we've been in church any length of time, we know people that we can count on to pray. We know people that we could go to with our needs, and we knew that those needs would be taken before the throne of the Father by that person on our behalf. 
I, I, I think of in the four and a half years I've been here, anytime I think of, of prayer or a person of prayer, I think of Richard Rios. That's who I think of. Now, I cannot tell you if Richard prayed in the morning or at night or if he had a room or if he got down on his knees. I don't know a thing about his prayer actions, but I know he was a man of prayer. It didn't matter when and where, and we're going to get to that in a minute. All those things didn't matter. Richard didn't want to be known as a man of prayer so that everybody would know him as a man of prayer. He prayed for people, and people knew him as a man of prayer. That was the Richard that I knew. So you, if the opposite of that is you want to be known as this person of prayer. You call attention to your, your prayerfulness. You call attention to your prayer room, some people have. And there was a movie recently called uh, War Room that was all about that. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that a, a prayer room is bad. I'm not saying you shouldn't take this literally and go into a closet, as we're going to see here in a few minutes. Not saying that at all. But I'm saying if when I come to visit your house and you have a sign on the door, do not enter prayer room, well, then I'm going to question why. If you have to tell people about your prayer room all the time and how often you're in your prayer room, how much you pray, or some people go to a private mountain or something, like if you're telling us all about that all the time, then is your prayer time about communication with God or is your prayer time about people knowing how much you pray? And how important prayer is to you. Because Jesus says, if that is your goal, if that is your motivation, then you have your reward. And it really doesn't matter here whether your prayers are public or private. You can be just as proud, just as incorrectly motivated for, uh, toward private prayer as you are toward public prayer. They may, we may never see you pray, but if we hear about how much you pray, it's still the same result. Some of you are still thinking, well, you're not talking to me yet. Yeah, I'm going to. Just hold on. Some people, and, and I have known this in my 40 years as a, a Baptist, strive for beautiful prayers. You know the people that, that think that, well, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes here. I don't think I am thinking of who's prayed. And, and you, you think you have to pray King James English for God to hear you. You don't. You really, really don't. You, you think, I have to use big words. I have to use theological words. I have to, I have to. no, you, you don't. You, the prayer up here, the, the prayer that's spoken is not for the people. It's for God. We're going to get to that here in a little bit more, too. Verse 7, Jesus says uh, another wrong way to pray. He says in verse 7, when you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. This prayer that they're praying is, is this rote, memorized, babbling, magic spell. That's, that's what a lot of people tend to do with, with their prayer. Uh, a good example of, I think this was, it's, it's been a handful of years now, the prayer of Jabez was a big deal. Well, just pray the prayer of Jabez, and, and I'm not even sure the prayer is something about multiply my 
cattle or something or my land or and 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 uh, horizons and 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 God will bless you. No. There's no special incantation to a prayer in, that's in the Bible. To, if I repeat it enough or repeat it the right way, uh, he says here the, the length of prayer does not matter. We sometimes think that if I have to pray a long time. Preachers sometimes think that. Uh, I have to pray a long time in order to get my prayer answered. The pagans of Jesus' day thought that. They, they, they were going to annoy the blessing out of the God that they were serving. Uh, there are no special words to pray. The Lord's Prayer is not a special prayer. We're going to talk about that next week. It's not, well, if I just pray the Lord's Prayer, I'm okay. The rosary does not get you anything because you count all the beads. The, the, in Jesus' name, we end our prayers that way a lot. If I don't end my prayer with in Jesus' name, it doesn't mean the prayer is not going to be answered. There's nothing, there's nothing magical about that phrase. If we are God's children, if we have trusted Christ as our Savior, we understand that our only source of anything we pray for is God anyway. We should be praying in Jesus' name because of the nature of our salvation, not because we tack it on to the end of our prayer and suddenly now I'm going to get everything I asked for. And that's kind of what we do. We have, these, we have these incantations. We have these magic phrases that if I just say it, or just say it right, or just say it enough, then God will hear me and I'll finally get what I want. Now this is a totally another sermon. I know another is not a word, but whatever. Uh, a, a totally different sermon here on this next point, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. There's no private prayer language. No gibberish sounding uh, tongues that we can speak. Uh, pagans, again, thought if they said it loud enough, long enough, the right sequence, their God would hear. But we don't go into our room and pray in a language we can't understand. I don't believe that. I don't, I, I, that's, I don't believe that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14, that, that we pray and we can't understand it, but God does. Uh, that is babbling. That is uh, uh, idolaters that they'll be heard for their many words. And then, of course, the time of prayer doesn't matter. I've heard people say, you have to get up and do your quiet time in the morning. I have a quiet time every morning. From about midnight to about 7.15 till the babies wake up, I'm quiet. That's my quiet time. That, that's, that's, when I, 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 that's my morning quiet time. I've heard others say, you have, to go, you have to pray and do your quiet time and read the Bible at night. I'm not good with schedules, period, you know, and, and having certain things. Now, you know, appointments, yes, but I'm not a list maker, as, as my wife will gladly tell you. Uh, I'm, I'm not good at, you know, okay, this week, I'm in the office at this time, and I do this thing for an hour and a half, and, these, and I'm, just, I'm just not good at that. As a matter of fact, my personal uh, uh, best time of, of prayerfulness in, in, in my life, in my history, is when I don't have a specific prayer time, but prayer is a constant in, in my heart, on my lips. Um, I've delivered a lot of pizzas in my life. I've been on the road a lot. Uh, when I'm driving is when I pray most of the time. 
If I have a long distance to go and I'm by myself, I'm so thankful now for, uh, for especially in San Antonio, the requirement of speaker phones so I don't look like a fool driving down the road, talking to myself. I hope everybody just assumes I'm talking on the phone to somebody, but I don't have it up to my ear. That's because I'm just a talking, and, 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 and there's nobody in the car with me. So uh, it, it looks strange. But I've done that for years. I, I, I lived close to college. I, I commuted to college. I say close. It was about 20 miles, but in Baton Rouge traffic, that was nearly an hour uh, at peak time. So I got a lot of praying done. That's when, when I haven't had, had felt like, oh my goodness, I've got to meet at, at this hour in prayer. When I haven't had that is when I've had my best prayer time. Because to be honest, that can become an idol too. That can become me meeting this obligation of, of prayer time, of, of spending time with God. I do it, I've got to do it, and, and, and I really worship that time of day more than I spend time with God. Because if I've got something coming up afterwards, you know, my prayer time's from 9 to 9.30, and I got somewhere to be at 10, so I got to leave right at 9.30, because we live in Nixon, we're 30 minutes from everything. Um, if, if I, if I, I've got, so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm watching my watch, okay, I did this, and and that's my prayer time because I've scheduled it. I've got to do it right then. If I don't do it right then, then I've messed up. I have let that become an idol. I have, that's my, 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 my street corner. That is my, what ends up being babbling because I'm really just trying to knock everything out before my time's up. So those are the wrong ways to pray. For everybody else, uh, at a, thinking I've got to do it at a particular time, this, this, this rote memory thing, I've got to pray like this, and I've got to do it so people see me. Now, you might be thinking, well, we're not supposed to pray in public then. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? No. There is a right way to pray. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, I said I was going to step on everybody's toes, get on everybody's case this morning. Yes. When you pray, what does that word imply, when? That you are going to. It's not if you pray, but when you pray. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you pray. And I don't mean just when something goes bad. Oh, my God is not a prayer. Uh, some people seem to think so because they talk to God a lot that way. It's not a prayer. Right before you hit somebody on the interstate, that's not the only time you want it to be a prayer. Not when you're in the deer stand. Oh, God, please let a deer come. No. We are talking about real prayer. A disciple spends time with God. And the reason I say that the Lord's Prayer is not an incantation, it's, it's not what you're supposed to pray, is because Jesus says in verse 9, Therefore you should pray like this. When you pray, don't do this, don't do this. Pray like this. didn't say pray this. 
pray like this. It's a model. As a matter of fact, depending on who talks about it, some people call it the Lord's Prayer. Others call it the model prayer because it's the prayer we're supposed to kind of follow, giving us an idea of how to do it. So the, the right way to pray, first of all, three things under the, the right way to pray. First, two of them in verse 6, one of them in verse 8. First, know that you are approaching God. You are a flea walking up to the raid factory. Okay? You are the roach going up to the insecticide plant. That, that's how you need to see your relationship to God. He can squash you. He made you... Bill Cosby's phrase for raising children was, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. God is the same way. He brought us into the world, He can take us out. Now, that should be our big picture view of God. That's not where we stay. But we need to understand that that's the God we serve. That is the greatness. That is the awesomeness of God. That's who we are approaching. So we shut out distractions. And that's what Jesus is talking about. When he says go into your private room, he is really talking about the rooms in the home that didn't have windows. Most of them had a door. It would have been a storage room. It would be like your pantry. Or, in our case now, closets. Go into that room. Go where there are no distractions. Go where they, somebody won't come in and mess with you, where you're not sitting in front of a computer and, and Facebook deems. And, well, just a minute, God. Let me see who liked my status. Um, don't pray like that. And that's why for me it was always great driving. I could turn off the radio. I don't really pay attention to when I drive anyway. So I could turn off the radio, not paying attention to the road, and just talk to God. Jesus take the wheel kind of thing, I guess. Uh, and and, and it, there was no distraction for me. It just it worked that way for me. Uh, we focus on Him. We're approaching God. The whole purpose of prayer is to talk to God. So we focus on Him. Now this is not, as I said, a, a prohibition of public prayer. Jesus talks about public prayer. Even when He gives us the model prayer, He says, Our Father in heaven, give us our daily bread, etc. The implication being that this was spoken out loud. We're, I'm praying for all of us when I pray. So uh, we, all, we have numerous examples of public prayer. So don't think you're going to get out of public prayer because Jesus said, go in your closet. No, I might still call on you. But what this is, what Jesus wants us to understand, and, and I, I put this out a couple of days ago as I was working on this message, private prayer produces the motive that drives public prayer. Private prayer produces the motive that drives public prayer. Basically what happens is what, what I pray in my private time is going to come out publicly. When I'm praying out loud as a pastor in church or, or, uh, or any other situation, when I'm praying for someone who's sick, it will be my private prayer that comes out of, in, in my public prayer. As an example, uh, going back a little bit, again, another wrong way to pray. I didn't put this in the list. The, you know, somebody says, could you pray for me? I have this. Oh, well, let's do it right now. You know, I know we're crossing the street, but let's just stop in the middle of the street and do it right here. No, no, there are, there are good times and there are wrong times. Um, if, if, again, if your prayer is about other people, 
see in you, there's a problem. The right way is to know I am coming to God. I'm talking to Him. And number two, it is a conversation. It's a conversation with God. God, the roach gets to go to the head of the extermination factory and sit down and have a conversation. And, and, and not have to worry about the pesticides. I mean, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> it's a horrible image, I know. But, but that, that, that is, that, that's us. We should be exterminated. We defy the holiness of God daily. The same way the roach defies the cleanliness of your home. And your one response to that roach is to get rid of it. And that should be God's response too. And, and he has the means. And frankly, many of us, many of, of, of the people in the world will, spend, will be exterminated. Will spend an eternity in hell. But there are those who come to him because of Jesus and get to sit down and talk to him and have a conversation with the very one that should have gotten rid of us a long time ago. It is a conversation with God. It is a subject talking to a king. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I didn't put in my notes that I had that picture. Let me show you this. Keep quit going away. When we talk about conversation with God, I'll read it to you in just a second if you're having trouble reading it. I know I'm stepping on toes now. Sometimes our prayers can sound so ridiculous. Now, understand we're not praying for each other. I mean, I'm not, I, we don't pray out loud so that others will hear and, 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 and like our prayers. This cartoon came out, uh, showed up a, a few, couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Actually, I think maybe it was even back in December. It says, if we talked to people the way we talk to God, it's husband and wife, and it's the husband saying to the wife, Emily, wife, could you just, just pick up some milk, Emily, wife, while you're at the store? Just go ahead, Emily, wife, and just, just go to the milk section, Emily. Just grab some milk, Emily, and just, just place it right in your cart, wife. Emily, wife, just thank you, Emily, wife. Now, if you're not giggling, it's because you, you're not transposing it into a prayer yet. Lord God, could you just, could you just heal my friend, Lord God, while you're, while you're on your throne, just go ahead, Lord God, and just, just, just go and, and heal. Heal my friend, Lord God. Just grab some, just, just heal him, Lord God, and just, just, just make it right, Lord God. Lord God, just thank you, Lord God. You ever heard people pray like that? Babbling, unnecessary words. Yeah, we don't talk to people like this. We don't. People would look at us like we were nuts if we talked to them like that. Our, our relationships with people show up in our conversation. It is a conversation that we're having with God. Now, it is a subject talking to the king. Here's a better example than the roach at the, at the raid factory. I understand. It is a subject talking to the king. We are creations he is the creator. We are entering in his th into his throne room every time we pray. It is a subject talking to the king. But more importantly, I believe, for us to understand is that it is a child talking to his or her father.
It is a friend talking to a friend. And I know the, the, the friendship with God, that's, that's a difficult concept when we're talking about the, the Creator who could squash us. But Abraham was considered a, a friend of God. Jesus tells us, no longer do I consider you servants, but you are my friends. If we're friends with Jesus, we're friends with God. I mean, I, I would consider... I mean, of course, the whole parenting thing, you, you need to be their parent, not their friend. Yes, but I consider my dad a friend now. So when I talk to my father, I'm talking to someone who is friendly, who, who I am friends with. I'm a child talking to my dad. Now, is, is, does my conversation go like this when I'm talking to my dad? No, I just talk. Just talk to him. And he hears me and he makes decisions and we move on from that. Verse 8 gives us the third right way to pray. Don't be like them, the, the ones who babble, the idolaters. Your father knows the things you need before you ask him. The third uh, right way to pray is that know that God is your father. This picks up off the last point. He hears your prayers, verse 8 tells us. We know that, that God wants our best. We know that He loves us more than we could ever know. He, he, he wants the absolute best for our lives. The reality is that my choices determine much of what He can and is willing to give me in my life. So while he wants these things for me, he, he really needs to say, but stupid, you keep doing this, and I can't let you have that until you stop doing this. He knows those things. He knows what's best in our lives. One more point that I want to make, uh, and, and this is just so you, you understand that I know at least some of the time, my own failings. Prayers are not a sermon. And I know I fail at this regularly. Very often, my prayer is directed such that whoever's listening gets the point. Y'all, it is a conversation with God. It's something I have to fix. I have to realize because what I'll do is I'll pray a prayer, especially at the end of a, a message, so that I kind of repeat some of the high points of what I preach, so that, you know, really so y'all hear it again. I mean, that's, that's what I'm doing. God doesn't need to hear my sermon again. When I'm praying, I'm talking to God, and I, that is something I need to do as well. I need to understand that there is a right way to pray. I need to go to my Father and have a conversation with Him. And a lot of times that conversation is going to be about y'all. And you get to listen in on the conversation. But that's all it is. Because it is my Father. He wants what's best for me. He wants what's best for you. He wants what is best for our church. The last thing we need to understand, though, in, in this concept of prayer, understanding, because remember, this is about a relationship. Our prayer is about a relationship. God is only the Father of His children. 
That sounds obvious, right? But it, it, it's not. We, we tend to say, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We are only God's children if we have been adopted by him, and we have only been adopted by him if we have been saved through the blood of Jesus. Romans makes that clear, that if we confess Jesus, then we are adopted. We are either his creation, or we are his children. His children he will save. His children he listens to. His children he hears their prayers. He answers their prayers. His creation... Oh, we get benefits of being His creation, right? I mean, He made all this for us. We get to live. Uh, The theologians called that common grace. Everybody gets a little bit of God's grace because we are His creation. But there is a special place for those who who are His children. And that only happens when we place our trust in Jesus. We become His child when we experience salvation through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. Without saving faith, we are His creation, but not His child. And to be honest, the prayers of an unbeliever, the prayers of someone who is not His child, is this babbling. They, they have their reward until they can pray the prayer of faith, until they can pray the prayer of submission, until they experience salvation, their prayers, to you know, use a phrase, aren't getting past the ceiling. I know it's harsh. It sounds horrible. Oh, you mean only Christians get to talk to God? Well, yeah. Yeah, because I, you, you know, I think I've used this example before. If, if most of y'all outside of my family called up my dad this afternoon and wanted him to come over here to help you fix a car or something, I don't know you. Who are you? Why are you calling me? Oh, I know, I know your son, Michael. Okay, but who... It doesn't See how it doesn't work now? That, that analogy breaks down just like all do because we're talking about humans versus God. But the same kind of thing happens with God. I mean, very clearly, Jesus tells us later on in Matthew, at the judgment when he's separating sheep and goats, the, the saved from the lost, the, these over here are going to say, but didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we heal in your name? Didn't we throw your name around a lot? Didn't we, didn't, didn't you know that we knew some of your kids? Didn't you, didn't, don't you know that, that we knew who you were? And his response is going to be, yeah, but I didn't know you. Because you were not my child. Well, this morning, you have an opportunity to become his child. In the adoption world, you usually have to wait six months. To adopt Jason and Janie Marie, there had to be a six-month period where he w- they were our children before they were our children. I mean, they had to live there before we could adopt them. The beautiful thing with God is there's no waiting period. You can become his child this morning. You can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today, and you will walk out of this building. You came into this building, his creation, destined for hell, destined for damnation because of the judgment against you for the sin in your life, but you can leave this church this morning, his child, having trusted him as your savior, total different person, different relationship with the father, a different eternity guaranteed for you because of this important 
prayer, this important gift, not a prayer that saves you. The prayer we pray does not save you. The prayer that we pray is an acknowledgement. It is a conversation with God. It is you agreeing, you know what? I am a sinner. I can't save myself. But thank you, Jesus, that I can be saved through you. I no longer have to fear death, which is my wage, but I can experience this free gift, this gift of salvation. And I want that today to spend eternity with you through Jesus Christ. That is the prayer that saves. God, save me. That's the prayer that saves. Where is your faith? Where is your trust this morning? Is there... Is there a relationship? Are you God's child? If not, I pray you make that decision this morning. Pray with me. We don't get praying right. But we often, we want to. We want to sit and we want to talk to you and we want to have the relationship. So my prayer is that we will have that relationship with you that you will work on our hearts. That you'll fix us. That you'll fix the relationships this morning that are, that are broken. Somebody's here and is your creation, but not your child. Work on their hearts. Those of us who who make prayer an idol in itself, who, who bring sin into the very prayer room of our lives because of our motives or something like that, forgive us. Work on our hearts so that prayer is a conversation with our dad. Nothing more. Work through this service. Do great things in this church. Touch hearts today. Amen. You have your opportunity this morning. You have your call to be his child. Will you do that? Will you respond this morning? Will you begin that relationship? Will you renew that relationship? Will you make that relationship better? Maybe you need to come to this altar. Maybe you'd like me to pray for you. Whatever your decision is, stand, do business with God this morning as we sing.